0: Hey, it's Gerald from the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much for joining us here today. We've got not only one, two, but three great interviews coming up for you today. We've got Don Fobbs, who returns for October TV Update. We also have an interview by Melinda with Jeff Aldrich, author, along with John Taylor, of Dungeon Meister, the Goblin Quest coloring book. And speaking of authors, the guys from the Lakers Fast Break and I, we have an interview with Ellie Ehesh on his latest book, What Kobe Left Behind, The Playbook from an Extraordinary Life. That's coming up for you right now as we head into the PCC Multiverse.
1: Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse.
0: And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glasser coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. It is always a good time to watch TV, even though as we speak, the SAG Afterstrike still marches on, but hopefully we can get some things alleviated here as far as the schedule is concerned. I know there are still changes to be made as far as changes still being made, changes that will be made, but there's still some great programming that's out there, and we're here to talk about it, and here today also as well to go ahead, as she always is, for TV updates great person indeed you got to go ahead and check out what she's doing today at the mother daughter ish podcast it is don fobs and don great to have you here my friend always blessed when you make an appearance on the show uh what you've been looking at when it comes to awesome television these days
2: i've been really kind of perusing around everything uh my son convinced me to get an antenna so that i can have a local channels he's like mom why don't you have local channels And I'm just like, okay, I'll see what's on. Because what I've been wondering is what's gonna happen in the TV space because we didn't get a big hoopla about summer programming. We didn't get a big hoopla when school started back for the fall. So I was like, I wonder what's gonna be on. But then the big, big, big hype, and I know this may mean nothing to you, but the fact that they had a senior bachelor. Now, listen, I have never watched The Bachelor or the bachelorette one in my life, except for if there's something happening, and you want to go see what they're talking about. But when they did the senior bachelor, I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs>
0: That's funny. Uh, I know was- it, it has been a major source of. It, yes. What? It has been a major source of conversation as far as the senior version of The Bachelors. So yeah. uh, definitely I've heard about it and heard the news coming from it indeed.
2: It's but- been really cool to just kind of see somebody more seasoned the way they make decisions as opposed to when the younger ones are on there. But I'm finding that um, there's still issues because sometimes these people think they're ready for these programs and they're kind of not. So um, it's been just interesting to see somebody there that season because, you know, often when you get to a certain age and you're on TV, they kind of put you in a certain category instead of letting you have some of the fun. So I just particularly wanted to see him having some of the fun, you know, just at his age, you know, he's almost 70. So, you know, I,
0: I can't wait for uh, some more news to come out of it. Yeah, absolutely. But I know there's a lot of other great television as well. That's been yeah. catching your eye. That's out there. A lot of streaming that's out there. A lot of, uh, you know, cable outlet stuff you know i know that uh, we just got finished with the latest season of you know uh, the, for, for instance the latest season of daryl dixon as far as that series is concerned and that was just announced as having a season two with carol mm-hmm. coming back to get the mm-hmm. walking dead fans excited fear mm-hmm. of the walking dead is finally mm-hmm. reaching its its final episodes uh, i know that only murders in the building just uh finished its run for season three has already gotten announced for season four so there's a wow. ton of great stuff that's been out there this month. I think October is an, usually, and it still has delivered. Uh, even though with the, the a lot of stuff is being moved off the schedule, mm-hmm. October's still been a great month to go ahead and watch some good television.
2: It's been a great month to watch TV, but then too, I think a lot of fans are happy that the NCI, you know, stories are still going. Um, I know that I've heard a lot of buzz about you know uh, Queen Latifah did the female part of the. Equalizer, but now they're saying Denzel is going to come back and do another equalizer. So I'm like, it kind of gave it an extra boot. And then yeah. now another whole reboot, it, which I, I was kind of. It confused. earned another
0: 100. The last one, three, earned hundred over 100 million. So yeah, they're, they're, yeah. He keep, they keep it around 30, 40 million to produce. Yeah. And it makes over 100 yeah. million at the box office.
2: Yeah.
0: Got to yeah. ask Denzel. I think they actually, Denzel will be like in a nursing home. He'll just be sitting back in a wheelchair at the movie. We want you to do Equalizer
2: 23. How about that? No, I'm going to tell you what he'll be doing in the nursing home. He'll be cheering on his son, John David, because my oh, daughter and I just went to the movie the other night to see the creator, and yes. he's the star of the movie. And when I tell you the young man is amazing, he's amazing. He was great when he did that movie on Netflix with Zendaya. But mm-hmm. in at the in the big screen, he is so pleasant to see because when you look at him, you don't see Denzel, even though they look just alike. You just see a great acting young man. Oh, he has his own stuff. charisma.
0: He absolutely has yeah. his own charisma.
2: And uh, I remembered I, him from Ballers, and now Ballers is on Netflix. So I'm kind of re-watching Ballers again with uh, Dwayne DeRock Johnson, and he was on there and all that. So I'm kind of re-watching it just because we didn't know that he was the John David Washington. You know, we didn't know that. So now I'm just, like, very extra impressed yeah, with him. Yeah, he is
0: he specifically altered his name because he didn't want to to write up because his pro career, I think had finished, uh, I think football, if I remember correctly. uh, Yeah. And he, he definitely want, didn't want to tread on his footsteps. So he wanted to chart his own path. He has his own charisma. I know this movie gets a little bit taken a task, but Tenet, if you watch Tenet, he is the force that drives that movie. That was I what, said, last
2: year, a year before last, right?
0: That was three, that was three years ago. That was three in the years, middle of the pandemic. I
2: remember, a, I remember but, that one. That's when I first was introduced to, really, that he was Denzel's son. So, I, yeah, yeah, I remember
0: Christopher Nolan force-feeded everyone out there to go ahead and have to watch this at the movies in the middle of a pandemic, which was a very mm-hmm. unwise move. And, uh, you know, they should have held off the movie, put it out, and maybe waited a year or so. But right. he is the force that drives that movie. Such charisma Uh, by this individual, uh, John David Washington, the creator, uh, obviously he's driving that movie as well. Like you said, he has his own charisma and his own way of doing things. He's very confident in his acting ability. Uh, You know, it is similar yet different than what his father has to offer.
2: Absolutely. But they're both
0: great, but they're both fantastic. Yes. They are
2: fantastic. I'll tell you, um, I found a little gem over on Netflix called the fall of the, House of Usher?
0: Yes, uh, I've mentioned that on the show several times. It earned a 10 on IGN. It's earned really high ratings and it it's one of the highest rated series so far of the year. Been fantastic based off the Edgar Allan Poe stories and that this reimagining tale of it has been truly fantastic. It is now number one as we're speaking on television. I now, the I it. Beckham's. Goodbye, Beckham's. It's now the fall of House of Usher. Could it be, I'm sure, obviously, what the halloween spirit is, is driving yes. That, but yes earned such praise i think is definitely something worth watching so you oh it is oh it. it is, it is. and breath. i'm
2: usually and i'm usually kind of woo woo about the you know the um the spiritual you know type of you know it's, mm-hmm. it's just a good thriller but once i got past the first episode and they sucked me in with a couple of actors that i really like and they sucked me in with the I wanted to know how it was going to end at that point. And so I watched uh, the first part uh, last weekend and then I finished it. The weekend just passed. So I was like, that was worth it. I didn't even know anything about it. And my daughter called me and she goes, I think there's a movie on Netflix you might like called The Fall of the House of Usher," And I'm like, well, what is that about? And she said, well, I think you should go and look at it and see if you like it. And I called her and I was like, OK at first I was scared, but now I get it because she knows I don't like scary movies, but this one was really good, and the storyline, the plot and all of that was pretty good, so I was kind of happy about that, and um, so that, I think, is at the top of Netflix at this point, along with, like you said, the Beckhams are coming, all that stuff, so I don't want to watch that one, I don't think because I don't really like knowing too many things about people's personal lives like that, you know?
0: But before we head on out, I definitely wanted to te- ask you something. Your thoughts on speaking of Netflix, the tremendous uh, response for a show that got canceled, uh, you know, after a raw, long run on the USA Network, and that was Suits. Suits. It has been the, what the number one television show of the year on Netflix. It has earned billions of hours or billions of millions. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Just it's a, a viewing. It has been a tremendous hit. Now they're even talking. Of course, as we saw from Manifest, Manifest was a canceled show on NBC. When yep. it was it hit really big, as we've talked about, I think when you yes. first, uh, that's the first thing we talked about was, yes. was Manifest. That yes. it got big, and they got another season, the final season. In this case, they're talking about a suit spinoff because you know Meghan Markle is not coming back uh, unless right. you're throwing a ton of cash at her. So yeah. in this case suits is coming back in a different format but tell me about your thoughts on the revival of suits because of netflix and what these shows can find in a second life on
2: netflix well i'm going to be really really biased but i don't care because i love to the show i was in on day one i didn't know any of those actors on there except lawrence fishbarns woman who played on there was that was one of the lawyers. But let me tell you something why it's going to do really, really good with a reboot, because everybody that I tried to tell to watch this show when it first came out, they were like, oh, we don't want to watch it. Now they're calling me saying, remember that show called Suits you were talking about? It's on Netflix now, and I just hang up on them because I'm like, I tried to tell you. The, The show is so good, and it's so intriguing, and it keeps you on the edge of your seat. It's so fun. It's so, you learn so much from it that you don't realize you're learning. And I can honestly tell you, it's not just because Meghan Markle is on it. She played an excellent role on there, excellent. Mm-hmm. The actors and actresses on there that you do know and you don't know, they're all excellent. But the reason it's going to do really awesome with a reboot is because everybody likes the main character, Harvey, the main lawyer on there. He is so awesome. His secretary, Donna, she's amazing. All the lawyers that they've had coming in and out of there are amazing. And no matter how far on the edge of your seat they have you, they always win. And so you know you're always for the underdog. I mean, Megan played a very, very important role. Heart on there simply because she was smart as a whip, and you know she kept her guy in in place, who was kind of like the fraudster there. It's going to have another life without her, and nobody's going to care. Well, it is a her. good. It is a good series. I even thought about re-watching it again, but I know I can't because I have to give a show about seven to ten years before I can dive back in and watch it all over again especially since I was in from day one. Like I had to do that with Sex in the City when it finally got on some of the other platforms. I can't just go back in and watch a lot of the reruns. I can watch the movies over and over that the two movies they did, but I was in from day one. So I know everything like it's fresh in the brain. Like I just saw it. So Suits is going to do really, really well with a with a reboot. And again, nobody's going to care that she's not in it because even if we never met her on Suits, that show is excellent. It really is. And I yeah, it it, just will, is
0: good. it it will be. But the thing I have to say is, it wasn't a greatly followed show throughout its entire tenure on USA. That's,
2: that's that's what I'm trying to tell you. Nobody, everybody I told, no, none of my friends, none of my family, nobody would watch it. They're just like, and I don't know if it's because of the name or because it was about it, it was the
0: location. It was the location, USA oh, Network. the channel
2: that it was on? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's I mean, what it was. Back then, I had regular traditional cable, and yeah. I was able to just watch it whenever I wanted to. And maybe that's what it was. But I'm telling you, when I saw it land on Netflix, I went, oh, my goodness. And that's when everybody started calling me saying, remember that show you used to tell us about? You didn't tell me Meghan Markle was in it. I'm like, she wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it she didn't was, matter. She was it only wasn't a sidebar. Right, it didn't matter Post if she arm. was in it or not. I I never watched it because she was in it. It wasn't a big deal. The show is just a good show.
0: Now, I want to ask you this when it comes to suits and, okay. and reboot is concerned. So obviously that they, you know, not a, I'm sorry, it's a prequel, I think, or whatever okay. that they're talking okay. about. But when it comes to this, it's on you. It was on USA. I'm not sure if Universal has the rights. But if you know Universal because Universal owns the same properties as USA network, but also happens to own the property called Peacock Channel as well. So my question to you is Suits thrived going straight after when it went on its run with Netflix. And again, it's done so, you know, tremendous amount of success. If you were Universal or the rights holders for Suits making this prequel, would you specifically try and target putting it back on USA and, of course, Peacock? Because it looks like they'll, you can't do one without the others, you say. It's either, you know, Peacock is the thing that they're trying to go ahead and shoehorn in there as best they can to an audience. Or would you try to just go ahead and say, you know what, it is in our best financial interest and it's in our best interest to, you know, get out to the best or widest array of viewers because mm-hmm. it's almost 250 million subscribers uh, now, now as we speak on Netflix. Which is the best path? for this prequel for Suits?
2: Um, I would leave it wherever they have the bigger numbers at because if you take the contract away and you take the exclusivity for them to go ahead and do it and you bring it over there and it flops because I'm pretty sure if you look at the numbers, more people have Netflix than have Peacock. So I would leave it wherever it's going to make the money because they're going to make a residual off of that. And then after so many years, if it's still going strong, then I may try to negotiate. But right now, I just leave it wherever the money is going to be. Because look what happened when Manifest, like you said, came over to Netflix. It got a whole new life. People that never even saw it when it was on regular TV. I loved it when it was over there. All of this makes me feel nostalgic and it makes me sad because... I was the girl that every Sunday I locked myself in my room and watched alias. Remember alias with Jennifer Gardner. Mm -hmm. Nobody wanted to watch that spy show. It's like, I used to tell people and they were like, Oh, that was like my favorite Sunday show. And then when it went away five years after that, people were saying, Hey, whatever happened to that show? And I'm just like, shut up. Like the show (laughs) is gone, and now she's never going to do it again. So I took it upon myself and went and found, all of those uh series and wa- rewatch them again like a year ago, but all of these shows kind of remind me of that. They don't work out over here or whatever, and then they get this new life, and it's like everybody. If we would have just watched it the first time, type of thing, like it could still be around. But that's just the way it goes. But Peacock, I don't know what their numbers are looking like, so I'm only going to assume that Netflix numbers are probably way bigger. Than they're theirs. they're
0: actually five times larger. What, so then what? So then you kind
2: of, we can kind of answer the question that it'll be in their best finance, like you said, best financial interest for them to keep it over here where it can go out to the masses. Plus think about it. Uh People in other countries that have Netflix can also watch Netflix. Cause like when I'm in Mexico and I put in my password for Netflix, I can't mm-hmm. get a lot of my shows that I have here, but I get access to all of the shows that are Mexico that I can change uh, to English for me to look at them. So I think because uh, Netflix is, you know, global like that Mm -hmm. and they could probably have a further reach, Peacock would be smart professionally to leave them there and just see where it goes. Now, I am absolutely on pins and needles waiting to see what that prequel will look like and if it's going to still be as good. Because again, I'll have to go back and watch maybe the last two shows of the last season to just catch myself up. I, I can tell you right now what happened in the last season, because the last season was the worst season, because there were too many missing elements to it. Meghan Markle was missing too much, and she had just gotten married to that one particular lawyer. So it's like, she was missing too much, and we didn't understand why this newlywed wasn't more more more. It was like they weren't showing them, but then we realized it was because she went on with Prince Harry or whatever. But So I'd have to see how they're going to pick this last thing up, because I think when this one went off they were saying they were going to move to another state or something so we'll see how they can bring it in and if they don't i'm gonna tell you now if they don't bring in the same type of people that we really liked like the main guy harvey and his secretary donna if they don't bring them to give us the flavor back again of the excitement and the fun and the dogged lawyering that they did if they bring all new people i I i don't think i'll be in i need you to give me the people that brought me in
0: for the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I'll ask you this then, that before we head on out, is there any other suggestions or things that you have in mind for people to go ahead and check out before we head on out? because we're going to bring you obviously is whenever you can to go ahead and give us great tv updates and i'm hoping the next time you and i speak that the sag after strike will be over but any any last suggestions before we well now
2: isn't the um the writer strike is over but the sag after is still going and and i think you can write the
0: scripts but you just can't get them to act it (laughs) yes
2: right um i think that's so sad and it's coming up to the holidays and it's coming up to another year and Maybe what they said several months ago about them breaking the union, maybe that's their goal because they, they walked away from the table a few weeks ago. They literally walked away. And so I'm not having a whole lot of hope about it, but however it ends, I hope that we can get back on the track of seeing Ooh, what's coming up next season. Ooh, what's going to be happening here? Because if not, we're going to be reality show and gang show and nonsense to death.
0: I'll tell you what, uh, just fantastic always having you here, my friend. Uh, I know you've always got some great things going on with the Mother Daughter-ish podcast. So please, before we head on out, give that plug. It's cheap plug time, as I always say. Go <laughs> ahead and share your thoughts on what you're doing and what you're up to with your awesome daughter at the Mother Daughter-ish podcast. Oh,
2: we are loving traveling. We are loving talking about you know, what we're doing in other places. But on the show, I'm getting ready to this week talk about when I went to go see the creator the other night. And then I'm also going to be just kind of talking about this, um, the shows that I'm missing right now. I'm having some nostalgia about a a few shows that I, I really used to like that. I'm hoping people remember from like, you know, early two thousands or whatever, just kind of having a little bit of fun, but uh, we, we are really looking forward to some, some good shows coming up for the holiday and for the new year, we're going to kick off a a whole new year's kind of like a little zoom party with some other folks and, we just celebrated our national podcast day on September the 30th, something September the 30th. So we're just having kind of like a good time and only talking about those things that are interesting to us and that are fun to us and, and just, you know, keeping ourselves having a, a lot of fun. So that's what we're doing at the mother daughter ish podcast and really connecting with other women. i just was talking with a lady yesterday that wants to start her own podcast and I'm excited to help her and her mother. They're going to do a mother daughter wellness show, which I find. That's to awesome. be very Yeah. It's going to be really cool. Uh, they're out in Alabama. And so I'm just kind of excited with helping people to kind of get their message out and their voice out, no matter what they have to talk about. I mean, everybody has a right to kind of talk about that thing that they're enjoying. So um, that's kind of what I'm doing and keeping myself busy. It's the end of the year. So of course, I'm a business development consultant. So I'm doing a lot of grant writing right now and folks are starting their businesses. So I'm following a lot of LLCs and nonprofits. And so that's what's keeping me busy is the phone, the computer, the Zoom and I'm enjoying every single bit of it, and uh, next Tuesday I'll be headed to Thailand for a
0: month. Oh well, you are the so traveler be,
2: indeed. Yeah, I'll be podcasting from there.
0: <laughs> All right, well I'll reach out, uh, see if we can square anything away. I'm looking yep. forward to to having you back on the show always. By then, again, I'm hoping that a strike, uh, it was strike, a sag after a strike is already taken care of, and we will be talking some great television. Looking forward to my friend. Once again, it is Don Fobbs. You got to go ahead and check out her and her daughter on their awesome show, the Mother Daughter Ish podcast. Well, Don, great to have you here as always. Looking forward to our next conversation all the way from Thailand, hopefully, right here. Oh, It'll be so fun. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll be at the pop culture cosmos.
3: You're listening to the pop culture cosmos. I'm Jeff Aldrich. I'm one half of the System Mastery podcast and Dungeon Meister book series. Uh, I'm in San Diego, California, and we have made a show where we review weird old role-playing games for the past 11 years. And in addition to that, we've only fairly recently in the last couple of years taken on uh, writing a bunch of weird, crazy books that aren't role-playing games, but are adjacent.
4: Fantastic. Well, I am Melinda, so nice to meet you. I'm in Las Vegas. We're practically neighbors.
3: Oh, yeah. It's only like six hours. Yeah. Less if you drive fast.
4: (laughs) Right? Less if you drive like my husband. Um, (laughs) All right. So the first thing that I did, because I have a copy of the coloring book in my hands right now, and I'm flipping through it. The first thing that I did when I opened this book, I was like, let me see if these guys know what they're doing. (laughs) And I turned a page and... I, without a doubt, know that you know exactly what you're doing because the backside of the pages are empty so you can color without worrying about it bleeding through another page and ruining it.
3: I got to say, you're the first person who I've talked to about the books who hasn't immediately asked why they're like that Um, because most people aren't used to purchasing adult coloring books or coloring books for adults. Uh, So we've had a lot of people who are buying them because they're used to buying... Our other stuff like cocktail guides and so on. And they're like, How come this is half empty? Where's all the ra- writing? And we're like, It's for color bleed.
4: Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. That's good. I thought you were
3: testing my my nerd cred for a second. I was oh, like, oh, no. I, I didn't know how on trial I was going to be.
4: <laughs> I would never, sir. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, um, that's such a nice touch uh, for those of us who do color. Um, and mm-hmm. like I, I'm a, I'm a pretty – no, I'm not even going to say I'm a pretty good D&D player. I'm an okay D&D player. I'm an okay DM. <laughs> but one of the things that I've noticed for myself when I'm at the table is sometimes – particularly when I'm not playing a wizard so I don't have to constantly be going through spells just in case something happens. Um, If I'm playing like one of the martial classes, I find that my attention and my focus can start to drift a little bit while I'm at the table. And it's just because I'm waiting for my opportunity to do my cool thing. Um, Yeah, absolutely. But I find that like coloring and doodling while I'm at the table, as long as my uh, DM is okay with it, helps me so much. So when I found out, that there was a coloring RPG book, I was like, well, this sounds like all of my favorite things put together in one place. <laughs> so you've made my, uh, you know, trip to play D and D bag much lighter because I can just carry well, the one book now.
3: Well, that's fantastic. I'm yeah. glad to hear it.
4: <laughs> so wh- yeah. like, why, why the coloring book though, Jeff?
3: Oh, well, I, I mean, ultimately, my big thing, my my favorite contribution to this has been random tables that take advantage of the coloring book format because this is, I forget, my seventh book that we've written for this company, Adams right. Media, and each one has been kind of a a, a wild new diversion in co- uh, connecting things to role-playing games without just being one. Uh, and in this case, part of it was that we wanted something for folks to do that's role-playing game adjacent while not necessarily playing Uh, We also like the idea of making something that's an adventure. I mean, it's very light. Uh, We wanted to leave a lot of room open for the interpretation of other DMs, uh, but that has the classic D&D art, but why not make it interactive? So we decided coloring book, that's going to be our art style.
4: It's brilliant it's so smart it really is it's so smart i'm annoyed that i didn't come up with it myself (laughs) Uh, to be honest with you no it's so smart and uh like the the pictures are dynamic to color Um, I've already worked on a couple of them. Um, coloring in the maps is incredibly satisfying. Um, you know, well, you're just kind of, because you don't have to focus too much on the coloring to take all of your focus away from the table. So, you know, I've had a couple of sessions where I've had the book in my bag and people have been like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So I have to ask this question too. Where, where can I get this? How can I get a hold of it?
3: Well, one of the nice things about working for a company that's technically a uh, division of Simon & Schuster is our books are available just about anywhere. Fantastic. Uh, you can find find this at Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. We don't have any particular uh, stake in where things are purchased. So I usually represent the home store first, which is Barnes & Noble or their website. And after that, just anywhere. I, I prefer if you can get them there at friendly local game stores, which is, of course, the best way to support them.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. 100%. Now, I I will say, though, that there is something about this book or maybe it's just a, a coloring book in general that I feel applies to a very particular type of player. And I'm going to call them out here because they need to have this book in their lives. And that is the Dice Goblin. I just think that this book plus a Dice Goblin equals many happy noises at the table.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm going to be honest. I I am completely steeped in in nerd culture all day and every day. It's just what I do. But Dice Goblin, I don't know. I'm going to guess that's someone who owns and collects as many dice as they can get their hands on.
4: Yeah, absolutely. The person that shows up and they have that giant dice bag that has like 20 different sets in it. But then they yeah. forgot their one set at home that they really wanted to bring. That's
3: you oh, know. the lucky set.
4: Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> it is always that one, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's the dice goblin, the, the forever collecting dice person. No, there's never enough dice. Um. I just
3: recently got my my uh, my new set, which is in a little. They come in their own little case where you have to put each number up correctly in the case when you're putting them away, because it's charging them because they light up when you roll them.
4: Oh man, I have some light up ones too. They're not rechargeable though, so once they're done, they're done. But man, they're cool.
3: They are so great. I've been I've been using them only for when I spend action points or inspiration or something, so that they stay special.
4: Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Yeah. So, um, what actually, I want to know. I want to know about this. I want to nerd out a little bit. Tell me about a current character that you're playing.
3: Oh, uh, sure. Let's see. I'm going to. I have a couple of them. I was actually building one this morning with a friend uh, for a Shadowrun campaign, but I am also playing in a D and D game right now. Um, you're, you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot of nerd stuff happen real quick, real fast here. <laughs> uh, because my D and D game that we're playing is in fourth edition, which is one edition back.
4: Oh yeah, um, nice.
3: And, and I know there's a lot of old, old opinions and fighting about that on the Internet. Uh, I was a fan and I just stayed one and it's fine. Um, but my character is very complicated by fifth edition terminology because they are a deva, which is a species that is not playable anymore. Right. Uh, hybrid, which is a type of thing that isn't doable anymore. <laughs> um, Invoker slash druid. So you finally have one word in there that you can still do. Right. Um <laughs> And then they're high enough level to have a paragon path, and that is devoted orator, which means that they're like an extremely uh, persuasive and and stentorian priest of of their faith, which is a storm god who goes around invoking divine proclamations and calling down lightning.
4: So just a you know, average Joe from the street.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Dave, uh, I, I, I know 5th Edition and 3rd Edition both had the Azimar, which is a uh, kind of, you know, the tiefling, the, the, the famous one, because they've got the cool devil horns, and they look awesome. Yep. Azimar were the attempt from early on to make the holy equivalent, so they're like a little bit, just a little bit, angel, just a tiny, it's a smudge, a yep. uh, smidge, Um, but they never really looked like much because just a smidge angel doesn't get you much. Uh, You know, you get like a portion of a harp, I think so uh deva we're like let's just go all the way they're bright blue they have wing weird they have weird wing shoulder pads when they automatically regenerate when they die they're just they're just weird blue angels and i've always been a fan
4: that's great i love that
3: thanks for checking out the pcc you know the pop culture cosmos we'll be back in one moment
0: oh here you are well that was pretty good timing you're here and we're here
2: He was just seminal to so many people.
0: Authentic and kind. Teach you something and make you feel good. Something very soothing, something very calming.
3: Fundamental in developing me into the human being that I am today.
1: You ask anybody in Canada, they know who he is. It's hard to imagine anyone having had a bigger influence on my life.
0: It's the award winning documentary, Mr. Makeup The Magic of Make Believe, available now on Amazon Prime Video
4: think what am i playing right now in a campaign yeah, please um tell me. i am playing something from cobalt press i'm playing um the uh little quickling guys um oh, okay. th- so they have like 50 feet of movement and i made it and i made it a rogue so i just have a ridiculous movement speed and i haven't heard uh, that
3: name in forever
4: i know right
3: um because yeah, but- they're like in i think they're in the fiend folio from first edition monster manual the quickling they're super cool looking they look like Straight jacked up crazy little elves,
4: yeah, pretty much right. Yeah. But uh, she's been really fun to play, and, and I love that well, she um has the affinity for gar- garish clothing and bright colors and, and all of that stuff. I just oh,
3: nice, <laughs> yeah, there's it's a lot a of bright blur,
4: yeah, there's so much RP in there. She's obsessed with baths, so every time we go to a town, I have to find a bathhouse and you know that kind of thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta play to type. Um, that's fantastic. So I guess my next question for you, because I'm incredibly curious, over the last 11 years, is there a gaming system that you have discovered or rediscovered that you have really um, enjoyed that you would love for everybody to hear about and everybody to know about? I know that's kind of a big question and kind of outside of the box of of the coloring book and stuff, but I'm oh, just don't worry about it. kind of dying to know.
3: Absolutely. Uh, So we try to focus on games that have been forgotten for various, usually good reason. Uh, A lot of them are really, really bad. Uh, So more often than not, I tend to feel the what's the worst one you've ever you've ever come across question. So it's really refreshing to get the other Uh, every once in a while uh, without our planning for it. We come across a real gem and that has happened several times. Uh, some of them you've probably heard of because either they were big deals or or they are still in print. So things like uh, 7th Edition Gamma World turned out to be a delight. Uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse role-playing game is still available and is amazing. It's my favorite superhero game I've ever come across.
4: Okay, I've heard of that one for sure.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, but one of them, there's a game that we reviewed a while back. We found it in a used game store quite by, by luck. It cost us like $3. And it was called Vanishing Point. And I, don't worry if you've never heard of it. They're... This is a fun part of the story. There's only a little bit less than 500 copies that oh. exist. Oh, wow. Uh, so Vanishing Point was written by, I believe, a British guy. Uh, it is a game about playing as monsters that are inspired by various mental illnesses in a weird steampunk world that also has a little bit of like brain uh, iconography. Um, the The notion of playing as mental illnesses could be a little fraught, but it's very well handled. The the uh, inspiration and design elements are gorgeous. The mechanics are great, and they're cute in that fun nerd way where it all it's all d8. It's completely based on d8s, and the reasoning the author gave was because he was going to do d10, but those aren't platonic solids, and he wanted a real shape to be his die. Um, but what happened was the company that was printing the book went under while printing. And uh, what copies existed were packaged off and sold with whatever else was in that book printing house just by the pound to random used bookstores. So if you find copies, you're you're just very, very lucky, which we were. And they usually run for like five hundred dollars.
4: Wow. And you managed to get your hands on one for three. Well done. (laughs)
3: Yeah, we kind of lucked out on that one. Uh, It happens often just because uh, while there is a a market for these weird old games every once in a while, uh, a lot of people don't know that and assume there isn't. And so if you're if you're careful, you can find them.
5: Sure. Yeah.
4: Okay. so let's let's switch gears and go back to the to the reason why we're talking. Let's talk some more about uh, about the coloring book. So I know I that do. the um the random tables and and things like that are are you know pretty key to how the story kind of unfolds through the book as you you know fill in the gaps between the pages and and all of that kind of stuff. Um so why like how how can I This is like you could do this as D&D for one person. Mhm. Right? um yeah absolutely so it's in it's it can be entirely singular let's say you're the only person who shows up for a session i mean we've all been there uh didn't (laughs) see the message or or whatever the case was now you you can just have that big old table to yourself and run yourself a little game and i mean you always travel with markers and post-it notes and stuff anyway or at least i do uh when i (laughs) when i tend when i'm off to a game so um i think that uh you know, it's, it's a good time filler. It's a great conversation piece. I can't tell you the amount of conversations I've had, uh, with other players around the table about the book and, and what it is and how it works and, and all of that kind of stuff. So well, let's, t- let's talk about the initial kind of idea that you had for for it. And is the, is the physical, um, you know, uh, uh gosh, um, what's the word? Um, is the physical book itself, I was going to say something fancy, but I'm not going to. Is the physical book itself close to the original idea that you guys had, or did it evolve and grow a little bit as you guys were coming up with the concept?
3: Well, a lot of our concepts, because we are working through a traditional publishing house and not through a like Kickstarter or a role-playing game company, uh, tend to go through a lot of refinement as they make their way up the chain of editors and so sure, on. And yeah. in this case, I will say that uh, the guidance we got from our publishers was actually super useful. Uh, our initial pitch, which is still floating and we may do something with it in the future, Uh, was an activity book so we wanted you know how we have the random tables that are kind of off to the side so you can say things like oh you can roll a d10 to determine what kind of dragon this is that you're fighting or you could just color it in and then look up the color and it'll tell you what kind of dragon it is um that was an evolution that came in conversation with our editors originally we wanted the puzzly stuff to be right on the page we wanted to do like connect the dots to find out what monster you're fighting or like one of those mad magazine fold-ins to reveal that there's a secret door in this wall. Mm-hmm. So I still think that'll work. And so I'm still holding on to it, but that was our initial pitch. Um, and the idea to go to a uh, high detail adult style coloring book came largely because that's something that our publishers have a great deal of experience in. They've, they've made a number of them. They were able to send us a lot of samples of like wheel of time, official coloring books and so on.
4: Oh, wow. That must be incredible.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Um, so it was an interesting book. I, I'm actually not all that up to speed on my my Robert Jordan lore. Right. Uh, but the 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 uh, detail was super high. It looked really good. It was a great inspiration.
4: Yeah. Nice. And uh, I tend to, go ahead. Nope. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I
3: was gonna say we tend to uh, largely just we, we like working on assignments given to us by our publishers. So when they say things like, "Can you do a," Uh, a joke book or can you do a um, a a book full of full of uh, high detail but system agnostic character sheets so people can do journaling we will often just say absolutely because that's enough inspiration for us to run with
4: for sure yeah um so no I've lost my question I'm sorry no 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 you're fine it's it's my (laughs) fault it's my fault it's my own fault um, I mean, I'm just trying to think of all of the things that I thought when I first pulled this book out really the not picture on the having that blank page was such a huge thing for me and it just <laughs> it, funny
3: it's so great to hear
4: yeah it really was it, it was like a- it was the first, i when i pulled it out i was like it was like like i closed my eyes i flipped a few pages and then like opened one eye and went okay okay we're dealing with some people <laughs> who know what they're doing here i love it it's so that, that's
3: yeah we, we we had only seen sample copies of other books and we knew that they were going to that they do that sort of thing um but you know it, it, on on uh, first investigation it's pretty obvious why this is the kind of book that invites working in with with marker and marker is definitely going to bleed through to the page and ruin your other drawings and that's that's killing the value this is this is like Fifty fresh illustrations, and we want each one of them to be fresh.
4: Yeah, absolutely, and especially That's too cool. now with the kind of popularity of the um, alcohol markers as well. Those things can bleed through paper like nobody's business. So this is uh, absolutely, yeah, so smart, so smart, so smart. Thank you, <laughs> thank you for absolutely. doing that. <laughs> yeah, I
3: was halfway expecting because we don't we don't uh, get to see the. We're just uh, once we submit our documentation and go through all the various editing stages and galley pre- uh, edits and all that stuff. The uh, the it's out of our hands. We don't see it again until it graduates high school and arrives at our house as a big box of sample books. (laughs) Okay. So we were we were almost concerned that it was going to show up as you know like a a stapled bound thing like the coloring books you'd be used to if you're a kid. Uh, And so when we saw the high the high value production of this or high value production of this, we were floored. We we were super happy with it.
4: Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful book. It really is. Congratulations on it. Yeah. And if you guys ever do go through with the activity book, please let me know because that also <laughs> is my jam.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really excited about that conceptually, especially because we did leave the story. The um the the book does tell a cohesive dungeons. I mean it's very rushed, obviously, because it's it's just like forty pictures. Sure, yeah. Um but it does tell a story of an adventure that a party goes on and they pick up new NPCs and they find magical equipment, um, including some really weird stuff, because one of them is just a random set of tables of random of equipment. Right. Uh, but at the end, they're just sailing off to another adventure. And I've I've already got my pitch out there that we want to do an activity book when they arrive in a haunted city oh. and they have to fight a lot of cool undead.
4: No, come on, man. Just Get out of my brain. <laughs> Stop living in all my favorite stuff no
3: that's (laughs) just i really want to do it i I want a bunch of vampire lords and and ghouls and stuff running around a town
4: oh man that is so my stuff okay um let me just wrap up the interview and then i need to just to gab with you really quick for a second and then i promise i'll let you go and i'll stop fan curling over it um (laughs) it's okay okay so jeff Thank you for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And um, yeah, any last words about uh, the coloring book that you think that people should know about? Anything? Well, in- I haven't even
3: said the name of it yet, so I should probably do that. Yeah, uh, that's a good it, idea. It's, it's the dungeon. They're gonna. Otherwise, I'm gonna get yelled at by probably just my other podcasting partner, but who knows who else? Uh, it's the Dungeon Meister Goblin Quest Coloring Book, and we're really excited about it. It's uh, it's a nice high gloss high. Uh, Really nice detail uh, uh, illustrations done by uh, by our artist Zachary Backus, uh, written by myself and my my partner John Taylor, and it's available Amazon, Shyman and Schuster, or ask for it at your friendly local game store because we want them to be carried in game stores because we really want to support game stores.
4: Yes, so, and that's, that's big for us. And it's such a it's such a perfect spot to to discover it too, especially if you are one of those you know. Dice Goblin type people who just need something to do while you're sitting at the table. This is perfect. It's unintrusive. It's brilliant. I love it. Thank you. Uh,
3: uh, Of course. And do you mind if I pitch one? We have one more thing coming and I want to tell people about it.
4: Please don't leave me in suspense. Okay.
3: Yeah. So our next project, which I'm not sure when it comes out, but I'm hopefully uh, early next year, uh, is going to be called the Deck of Many Drinks. Ooh. And it is a recipe card deck where each card has the recipe for a real cocktail on it. Um, along with a quick description. It's a fantasy cocktail. Each one of them sort of a Dungeons and Dragons-y theme with sort of a joke name, uh, you know, like uh, Illithid Substance, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and to make it more fun, it's done in card format because it's an actual magical item you can find in a D&D game. Uh, and in this case, unlike our coloring book, which is system agnostic, the deck of mini drinks will be 5E compatible and have the, the uh, license. Um, each drink you pull will, in addition to having a recipe on it, also have its potion effect, so if you pull a uh, a card in game, you receive and drink that potion, and then magical things happen to you.
4: Oh, this is fun. I like this so a lot. So it's gonna yeah, be I'm like I'm excited about that. It's like drink recipes.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. real drink recipes. Because we we already wrote a cocktail guide quite a while back. We wrote right. one for um, it's called Dungeon Meister A Cocktail Guide. Uh, it's where our uh, brand name came from, which is a just a huge list of nerdy cocktail drinks to make your game nights more fun and we're uh reformatting it and adding several new recipes to it uh by making it into a card deck which is also a functional in-game magical item
4: oh my gosh so are they going to be like tarot card size or like playing card size
3: they will be playing card size is my understanding although we did all we do also have a tarot deck we have designed
4: (laughs) (laughs) goodness gracious you are busy sir Wow.
3: Let me send you a copy. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to. I'll get my publisher to send you one. Oh, my
4: gosh. That would be wonderful. Uh, but yeah. the, with the drink cards, I mean, my husband is a Las Vegas bartender, and we oh. do we do nerdy stuff together all the time. And we actually, uh, for the table that I run, it's called Wizards and Wine, uh, we do a cocktail um, with each game session. And we've been a little lazy on our social media about getting, like, how to actually construct the cocktails and, and put them together and do, like, little TikTok videos and stuff like that. Um, Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. So that is another thing that just happens to be right up my alley. So I apparently am your target market.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I knew you had to be out there somewhere. (laughs) Well, I'll have our publisher send you a copy of that, too, then the uh, the dungeon, the original cocktail guide, because it is exactly what you're describing. It's it's uh, nerdy cocktail recipes with uh, instructions, presentation and fluff written in the in the uh, fantasy style.
4: It's brilliant. I love that. Again, thank you so much for the time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for making the pages one-sided. I really appreciate that too.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. My pleasure.
4: And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get a chance to have another chat about another one of your um, awesome projects coming up.
3: Oh, absolutely. Anytime.
4: All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. You bet.
0: If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. It is author Eli Ehesh. You got to go ahead and check out his book, What Kobe Left Behind, and the playbook from An Extraordinary Life. It is available on sale now. Amazon, in fact, I'm going to put it on the screen right now. Amazon, right there. Amazon, What Kobe Left Behind It is available right now give you the pricing right there for you ten dollars twenty five dollars and twenty dollars the kindle is ten dollars the kindle version hardcover is 25 and the paperback is 20. so if you have a fan a kobe fan in your life that you need to get a good christmas gift for this book is it right here absolutely what kobe left behind Ellie, one of the things, though, you mentioned stories and analogies and interviews he did throughout his life. You go back and forth across the gamut of his life. But one of the things that I didn't know was Kobe Bryant's love for pop culture and various aspects of it and how he utilized it in his everyday walk of life, especially his mentality, the Mamba mentality, Magic Man, to uh, go ahead and give you a big shout out there as well want to talk to you about this in regards to his love for pop culture, since I host a pop culture show that is uh, reached around the world on radio. One of the things I like to touch upon is his love for pop culture that I was fascinated about that part of it, where you talked about how he always expressed his desire to see things out as Maximus from Gladiator, Russell Crowe's character, uh, and how he played it out as far as the man that was scorned, that was cast off and had to uh, come back for vengeance to get get, uh, his retribution. And then also, as well, you noted Heath Ledger's turn as the Joker in The Dark Knight was very prominent in his thoughts. But the one thing that stood out to me the most is a little bit later on that page, when you read and you learn, if you didn't know already, that Kobe used to amp himself up with the theme from Halloween. That uh, is something that I think that not people, many people, uh, know or remember so when you delved into those facts those pop culture aspects of his life how did uh, how did that come across to you especially you know the fact that he was listening to the theme song from halloween to
1: get himself amped it it, it was it was just so fascinating uh because it it's it hit on multiple, multiple levels you know the one level where he is he is he is just like one of us he loves you know he loves movies he loves connecting with those uh those Iconic characters, but he went a level beyond. He didn't just, when the movie was over, just go home and say, oh, hey, that was a great film. You know, let, let's go, let, you know, we should watch it again sometime. It was like, no, how can I use this? How can I use this to become an even better player? And then it also goes back to the whole Mamba perspective in that, you know, he saw himself not as, he saw himself, he could put himself in the shoes of whoever he needed to be in order to dominate. And so you know you talk about okay maximus yeah that's a great example that we can all be like oh yeah I, w- I would love to be have that kind of that kind of aura you know or or other other heroic people but then you look at the villain and you're like wait he he wants to make himself look like michael myers that's crazy but then it's more like well in what context you want to really embody that spirit when it came to being on the court and just slashing through his opponents and so and so yeah when you hear that theme song for him, it was like I am taking on that identity of that that unstoppable force that will just keep coming over and over and over again and destroy you and take away all hope you have for survival, and that's what he wanted to imprint on the other team. So, so he figured out a way to do it. Put on his headphones, play the music before the game, and he could he could hone in onto that that identity, that uh, that mindset, and when, then we went on the court. You know, it was nothing but business, just annihilate everybody and don't even feel a little bit bad about it. Um, and, you know, and so like, like discovering that made me just in more in awe of his, you know, it made me more in awe, but it also helped me understand, like, how does somebody score 81 points and act and then act like it was no big deal? You know, how do they, you know, destroy the Knicks on their own home court? And you know, and make uh, you know, make Spike Lee you know the laugh on the sideline. H- how do they do that? And 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 what are the things that we want to do in our own lives that we feel like are too too crazy to be a comp to be achieved? And he figured out one of those ways is use movies where people do extraordinary things, and try and channel that kind of energy into his own life. So it's it, it it quite it's quite fascinating. It's really cool. It was really cool. So. I loved it.
0: We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers fast break podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team. Listen to the guys at inside sports, fantasy football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Still feel that sometimes, though, he, you know, there were points where he could have just raised up his arms during the middle of a game and say, Are you not entertained? <laughs> but uh, I will say, though, it is again, please go ahead and check out Ellie's book what kobe left behind the playback from an extraordinary life but before we head and out and before we not only give you a chance to plug anything that you want also sh- we want to sh- ask your thoughts and share some thoughts on this year's team that didn't get off to the rosiest start. magic man i know you got another question for ellie on his book please go ahead my friend and express it as uh, best you can and uh, please let us know your thoughts on on the book my friend
5: absolutely so uh I really enjoyed uh, Snake Charmer. That was a that was a great chapter, um, and uh, I will say I don't think it should come as a big surprise that Kobe used uh, music to fuel uh, his performance. Um, you know that that's just about everybody I know, including myself, Ellie. So um, I will say his very his taste uh, runs. The admit gamut. it,
0: admit it, Magic Man. Don't you have a Halloween right now on?
5: I do not know Oh, okay I do not uh, but yeah no going from uh, smells like teen Spirit to the theme from Halloween is a big variant so <laughs> good on him for finding inspiration wherever he can that's what he was great at um, I guess uh, when you finish the book Ellie what 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 takeaway like what do you think that Kobe really left behind what what's your big takeaway what's great the question. one thing?
1: He, I think he left behind that. The, I think if you read the um, the chapter, um, the enemy within, yeah. I feel like that's probably the best example because it kind of takes everything else and puts it into perspective. You know what he left behind was a uh, a mindset that essentially said, no matter what happens, everything is an opportunity for me to to become better. Whether it's the the formless air balls and
5: I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Ellie. I just wanted to say I I think that's one reason why Nick Saban loves him, and he loved Saban is they kind of had that same idea that that um, results aren't as important as progress.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. No, I think mean, that's a great point. I, I don't know if I mentioned Saban in the book. I can't remember, but yeah, he. I, I, no, you I did, mean, you did,
5: you did. But I, I mean, it was obvious those two were kindred spirits.
1: It's crazy how many how many NFL players were fans of his, or how or how I do mention that you know Tom Brady admitted that he he had a lot of sleepless nights after Kobe died, which is just so weird to have somebody like that say say, say that. So, but it's like because he found you know his, his message was yeah, no matter what happens in your life, you can learn from it. So figure out how you're going to learn from it, uh, whether it's, you know, the four air balls or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, you know, having a shock be traded because of the feud or wh- whatever it is, he figured out a way to learn from it to become even better. And you saw everything as an opportunity. I mean, one, in one interview, he said, the, uh, the interview asked him, you know, how do you feel about failure? And he's like, he said, failure doesn't exist, you know? He basically said, it's just, you know, whatever happens, happens, and you just learn from it. You know, tomorrow's always going to come, so just figure out a way to learn from it. And that's how he developed all these different skills that he he then used to become extraordinary. So if we can figure out, if we can skip over all of the, you know, oh, I suck, and just go straight to, how can I learn from this? You know, then, we'll, then we do harness some of the mama for ourselves.
0: Absolutely, and it's a great book. Please go ahead and give it a read. What Kobe Left Behind playbook from an extraordinary life. We have author Ellie Hish and he's on with us right now, and we are truly blessed to have you on. Once again, I'm going to show up on the screen right there for you. No excuses, everyone. This is going to be a great holiday gift for all the Kobe fans out there and also a great read for non-Kobe fans to understand why he was such a dynamic person, a dynamic individual, and someone that truly was remembered by so many and beloved by so many people, even if they didn't even love basketball, the game of basketball, indeed. But just truly great to have you here, Ellie. But before we go, it is the Lakers of this year. So I want to go ahead and get your thoughts yes. on the Lakers so far. Obviously not getting yeah. on the right track when it comes to uh, what happened last night in Denver. Uh, I also want to get Joe and Sean's thoughts before we head on out, because a lot of our audience wants to go ahead. I always hear that. But uh, what happened last night in Denver, my friend, and how can we write it tomorrow against Phoenix?
1: uh you know i think that part of it is look you're going up against the defending champions on their home court they're they're getting their rings and they're still just as powerful and stocked with talent as they were the year before so you're already it's already gonna be a challenge uh so so i hear that i mean you know you have a nikola Jokic. what he had another triple double like it was nobody like it was like like made it look easy so there's some talented players on Denver and no no one could take that away from them. On the Lakers side, I think it really comes down to, you know, who's really – I mean, you, LeBron is going to do what he does every single night, but it can't just be only LeBron. And that you have to have Davis step up and, and use that size to actually score uh, some high-percentage shots. And then you have to have, you know, other teammates like D'Angelo Russell – you know, come in there and and provide some support, so that way that and them providing the support will then energize LeBron to go to the next level too. So I think that's that's really the key that everybody that the Lakers need to figure out is activating the people they know can rise to the occasion, and and then that will fuel LeBron to get them over the finish line.
0: Joe, uh, now that you've had some time to reflect and maybe kind of, uh, you know, calm down and get a better perspective on what went on last night. Any thoughts, uh, any extra thoughts before we head into tomorrow's game?
3: We discussed this before we got on the show. Colin Cowherd called Anthony Davis the milkshake machine at McDonald's. That was probably the best analogy I've heard in a while. It's 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 great when it's on, but it's always bad when it's off.
0: It is again what Kobe left behind—the playbook from an extraordinary life. Right there for you from Ellie. Great having you on. You're always welcome back to join us at any point in time. Whether you want to talk the book, whether you want to go ahead and talk the Lakers, whether you want to go ahead and share thoughts uh, or any anger or any uh, happiness on the Lakers, depending on on how the, the situation goes with us during the season. We believe me. We always express that here on the show. We're here every day. Uh, And again, anytime you're most welcome to join us, just got to go ahead and hit us up. You're always welcome to come back on whenever you can.
1: Yeah, well, thanks. And hopefully next time I'll be on some better news. So, you know, fingers crossed that, that that's the case.
0: Absolutely, fingers crossed indeed. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. Don't forget, we got the Cosmos coming up on Monday. Go ahead as we check out the world of pop culture as only we can give it to you right here at the Pop Culture cosmos.